1: Welcome back to the Blitzed Podcast. This is not going to, unfortunately, be a celebration of the Philadelphia Phillies winning the World Series. Instead, we will be focused on Week 10 of the NFL season. Harley, I'm guessing that's okay with you.
0: It is, and since we are recording on Monday night while watching the Ravens and Saints, I've decided to pour myself a little beverage with a little bit of bourbon in it to... uh, uh, make myself uh, more comfortable.
1: There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, it's like almost eighty degrees here. So saying more comfortable and and thinking of you know a, dr- a drink that's going to be warming. Next week we're supposed to be barely in the fifties. So maybe next week I'll bust something like that out.
0: You're lucky. We're approaching the mid thirties and uh, with a high in the low forties today here in Minnesota.
1: And there you go. So it is November for you and for me. It's like July. Um, so that makes sense. Um, anyway. Um, man rough week rough week for me um, not fantasy football wise but I'm sorry just like I'm still going to stick on the Phillies here for just a minute um, yes they lost four games to two lost in six games to the Houston Astros some people will call them cheaters some will say that they're not I have a question for you who won the Super Bowl last year
0: <laughs> of course not. my mind goes completely blank uh- uh, the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs>
1: okay. Are they not world champions still? Yes. Will they be considered world champions next year also still? Yes. Were the Houston Astros um, found to be cheating back in 2017?
0: Yes. Dep- depends a lot on, on what you would deem <laughs> uh, cheating. I mean, it, it certainly – you could make the argument that what they did was cheating – uh, whether or not it was allowed, I, I realize every single team in the major league in Major League Baseball attempts to acquire signs. Yes. During the course of the
1: game, did any? Now, other, did any not,
0: none quite went to the limits that they did. Hold on. <laughs>
1: did Did any other team get fined five million dollars and lose a first and second round draft pick? No. Okay, so we can call them cheaters for 2017, right? Yes. So that means, like the Rams, who will be world champions this year, next year, the year after, 10 years from now. Technically, the Astros are cheaters still. Um, but that's not why they won the World Series. And the well, Rangers you, you
0: can't deny the fact, though, that uh, they managed to hold an impressive Philadelphia Phillies lineup hitless for basically, what, 15 straight innings?
1: Something like that, yeah. it was. <laughs> you have to hit. Um, you live by the sword, die by the sword, right? Um,
0: I mean, you, you can't really, like, caused the other team not to hit by banging on trash can lids.
1: That is true. That is true. No, hey, look. Phillies, I thought, had a great postseason run that wasn't expected by anybody. The Astros had a fantastic full regular season and carried that into the postseason. They're absolutely most deserving to win the championship. That does not mean I'm happy about it, but I'm not going to say they cheated, but anybody that wants to call them cheaters can because they're going to have to always have that moniker because they're the Houston Astros in 2017 they were fined for their actions, $5 million, lost two draft picks, hence cheaters. Do you,
0: do you still consider the Chicago Cubs cheaters?
1: Sure, why not? If you or the Chicago White Sox the, or yes, the Boston the Red Black, Sox. the Black Sox <laughs> or whatever they were, right?
0: The New England Patriots. Yes, of
1: course I do. Don't even go there with me. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, but you know what? You can't cheat. You can't cheat the fantasy gods. So we're going to try and help you so that you can do it straight up, I guess, right? Um Yes. We're going to have a section, a section. We're going to have a segment on insurance, which everybody probably would like to cheat, right? Um, And we'll talk about that a little more when we get to it. And then, of course, we'll have our normal every um, week DFS pay ups, stayaways, and value plays to see if we can help people make some money. But before any of that can happen, I've got to throw it over to my man, Harley Schultz, for this week's Blitzed Podcast News.
0: Thank you, Steve. On Sunday, the New England Patriots sacked Colts quarterback Sam Ellinger nine times. We asked Ellinger about his struggles after the game, and his reply was that he needed to take all of those sacks because in his fantasy league, he was facing Joe Mixon, and he had started the Patriots defense. (laughs) In related news, following the loss, the Colts named former Pro Bowl center and current TV commentator Jeff Saturday, their interim coach replacing Frank Reich. Saturday, whose only prior coaching experience was at a private high school in Georgia, was a surprise appointment. At this point, the BPN News team can only assume that Jim Ursay believes that Saturday will also play on the offensive line and bring Andrew Luck back to be his quarterback. <laughs> Despite being benched for Baker Mayfield after throwing for only nine yards in the first half of their shellacking by the Bengals, the Panthers have named P.J. Walker their starter for this coming Thursday versus Atlanta. With Marcus Mariota still starting for the Falcons, the current line for Vegas for this game is 15. Now note, that is not the expected point total for the game. This is the line on the number of completed passes between these two Morbund
1: offenses.
0: (laughs) Speaking of ineffectual quarterbacks, Malik Willis completed only five passes on 16 attempts for 80 yards. The amazing things about this line are that Willis did not complete a single pass to a wide receiver. Plus, Patrick Mahomes, in the same game, had nearly as many incomplete passes as Willis had pass attempts, and Mahomes had nearly three times more completions than total pass attempts by Willis. Needless to say, this is the worst performance by a Willis since Todd Bridges' last boxing match. (laughs) And finally, Josh Allen might miss next Sunday's game against the Vikings due to a UCL injury sustained this past weekend. In related news, I am also not expected to miss this Friday's Daily Domination article, due to an elbow injury I sustained drinking cocktails at the bar on Saturday. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update.
1: Man, look at you getting yourself into the news.
0: I am newsworthy.
1: There you go. Um, yeah, Josh Allen thing. Um, it's interesting. I read one thing that says average, I guess I was going to call it repair time, recovery time is like 26 and a half days for a UCL injury out of the 10 instances that were recorded in some database amongst NFL quarterbacks from 95 to 2008 or something like that. So, yeah, could miss a few weeks, um, could play through it. Who knows? I guess we'll wait and see. Um, Well, and it's
0: scary because when we hear UCL, I mean, not to harken back to baseball talk again, but UCL injuries typically mean – a year and a half off from from the baseball world,
1: and part of what I saw, um, if somebody's on Twitter and they want to go check, Michael Salfino quote tweeted somebody that had the information. That person responded to Mort. You may not be able to find it in Mort's, but anyway, it noted that the difference it between baseball and football is m- immense, for lack of a better word, in that nine of ten of the football players did not require surgery, while almost every baseball player, I believe it said, does require surgery. Um, Kind of different way to look at it, I guess. Kind of odd. Well,
0: it'll also be interesting to see, among those 9 of 10, how many of those are quarterbacks that were actually depending on their arm to deliver a football long distance. As, as a person who played both baseball and football, uh, in addition to other sports involving use of my arm, I, I can tell you for a fact that there is a lot of stress, obviously, put on your arm as a pitcher. Uh, I, I cannot say that because I know as was a quarterback would affect – that would be for them. But, I mean, I can imagine playing, say, like linebacker or defensive tackle well, no, or something the like ten,
1: that. The 10 I quoted from the, the thing that was tweeted was all quarterbacks. Oh, wow. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I just uh, It was interesting. I, I can't pull up the guy's name right now to tell you what it is. But I know if, if anybody follows Michael Salfino, I think his Twitter is at Michael Salfino. Um, you'll be able to find it. And if I find it later, I'll try and retweet it. How's that?
0: Well, and, and of course, I mean, the other thing to think about is worst case scenario, the, the guy maybe misses a week or two, right?
1: Worst case scenario is probably... No, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I meant to
0: say best case scenario, Yeah, best, right? ca- best,
1: best case can, scenario. Can we
0: count on Josh Allen playing this week?
1: Um, You'll have to wait till we get to the DFS to find out if I'm paying up or staying away from him, I guess, huh?
0: Well, because that actually could play into a factor on some other players too involved in that game.
1: That is very true. Very, very true. Um, no, if I was a betting man, one, I would, I'm risk averse to an extent, right? I'd say, why risk it? If it matchup, up, I don't care how good it is, if it can be impacted because he's dealing with an injury and you find out halfway through or a quarter in that, he can't finish the game, you're screwed. So I'm steering clear, even if they say that he is going to play, um, at least to see what he looks like before going forward. But that's just me.
0: But you see, though, you're talking about being risk-averse, and uh, maybe that's why it's a good thing that we're going to be talking about insurance this week.
1: That's a pretty good segue there, isn't it? And I didn't even try to do that on purpose. Yes. So what do I mean by insurance? Tell the people. Hmm.
0: Well, for me, when I think of insurance, uh, I think about the fact that because I banged my elbow the other day, I'm probably going to have to go to the doctor and pay a portion of uh, something out of my pocket to have them say, oh, sorry, here's some aspirin, take it, and you'll feel better in a couple of weeks. But from a football standpoint, obviously the insurance is making sure that you're covered for your best players. It's kind of like playing blackjack. I mean, on the blackjack table, most people don't purchase insurance when the dealer shows that uh, shows that uh, face card up there. But if you are risk-averse, you can do it.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, paying your insurance for that arm that you're hopefully just going to get aspirin on makes it feel like it really wasn't worth it. However, if it was a UCL injury and you were a pitcher and had to pay for that surgery, guess what? That insurance is well worth its weight in gold. So... That's how we have to look at it when we're looking to, you know, most people, I think, when you talk hand, talk handcuffs, hence insurance, probably think the running back spot. But what about handcuffing guys like Lamar Jackson, right, especially if you're in a two-quarterback league? Um, some wide receivers, Devontae Adams handcuffing him with possibly Mack Hollins, who's probably out on waivers in a lot of leagues, just different things like that. I, we're not going to tell you who to cuff but we're going to talk about our philosophies on cuffing. So I'll let you go first, Harley.
0: Well, for myself at the start of the season, I usually don't look to draft my own handcuffs at the draft or at the auction. I prefer to target other people's handcuffs, particularly if I'm, if I'm playing in a league with divisions, I like to target the handcuffs of the other teams in my division, which will then ultimately give me a huge advantage. Should their player get injured in that I could potentially have two starters, and that cuts their team down a full starter instead of giving them a chance to pick up their replacement. Now, once you're in season, obviously, you get to the point where you start hitting these heavy bye weeks like last week and this week where rostering players just to spite your opponents is not as important as making sure you're able to field the best possible team for yourself. So you have to start thinking about, well, what can I afford to keep in terms of handcuffs? or insurance players, and that's when you start to think, okay, well, if I am going to insure people at this point, I'm going to more so insure my players than opposition players. And, and again, most of the time when you think about that, we are, we are talking about running backs because typically uh, if, you've, if your team has a solid number two running back, they should be able to step into a scheme and produce – serviceable uh, by serviceable, I mean, running back two or running back three level stats, just based on the fact that they've been on that team all season. Now, is that the case in every single situation? No, but we see it over and over again. Uh, Running backs are more replaceable because their actual talent load is not that much different from each other. Now, when you're talking wide receivers, you've got to look at things like, well, is your, is your receiver a big-bodied possession catch receiver, or is your receiver a, a short, speedy receiver that goes deep down the field really fast? Those things aren't always interchangeable. Yeah. But again, you can, you can plug pretty much anyone into a backfield if they know the scheme, if they know the play. And these are the best of the best players that were at the collegiate level uh, one, two, three, six years ago. So they should be able to step in and at least be serviceable as backs in the in the NFL.
1: So here's the thing. I'm much less likely to try and get some insurance or handcuff my wide receiver because wide receiver is just so deep. It's easier to find somebody off the waiver wire and plug them in and, and know that you have still a chance at getting six, eight, 10 points. That doesn't happen at running back in most leagues, right? Right now, running backs probably the, 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 the cupboard is bare. So, The thing that I think people need to look at, too, is there are two different types of handcuffs. There's the premium insurance and there's the not-so-premium insurance, right? So if if you're a Zeke owner or a, um, say, Nick Chubb owner, you have to expect that acquiring Tony Pollard and Kareem Hunt is going to be a heck of a lot more expensive (coughs) than acquiring guys like, say, Alexander Madison— um, who's still going to require probably a good chunk to get him. But I, but I think you know what I mean. Like Those guys have standalone value on a week-to-week basis. They're not just technically handcuffs. Um, now, you also, like you said, I, I, I'm with you. I don't normally draft my own handcuffs to start the year. Um, Scott Fishbowl, you know who was one of the guys I, I drafted as a handcuff? Not for me, but so other people couldn't have him, was Deontay Foreman. So when everybody went running to the waiver wire to look for him, guess where he was? He was on my my bench. I did not draft Christian McCaffrey, but we know that McCaffrey had had injury history issues in the past couple of years, right? So it's a lottery ticket that turns into insurance, that turns into a payout.
0: Yeah, and again, obviously by this point in time, you're not going to be able to look out in your waiver wire and find a Deontay Foreman, but I I mean – if if you had talked about a couple of weeks ago going out to your waiver wire and picking up a guy like a Dion Jackson. Yeah. He would have been available for you there. And again, knowing that Indianapolis would trade Naheem Hines, that, that's obviously uh, hindsight's 20 there. But uh, even without hand, we saw earlier this season when Jackson was forced into playing that he was a capable fill in. He, I mean, he had a big game with like seven receptions. Uh, approached 100 yards in that game, so we kind of knew that. Well, this guy could be potentially useful if given the opportunity. And again, it's it's just keeping an eye on that waiver wire, particularly mm-hmm. when, when we get into these bye weeks like this. People are going to start dropping people from the bottom of their yep. uh, rosters, and those are the players that might actually help you if you've been waiting to like if if some if you know someone else has been hoarding one of your handcuffs or or people that you would perceive as a handcuff to one of your players, that player might find themselves on the waiver wire in either last week, this week or next week.
1: Yeah. And guys like, let's say, um, Brandon Bolden, um, Rex Burkhead, not flashy, not sexy, but if the starter went down in front of them, they will see an uptick and that'll help you to plug a hole too. So it, it just depends on what kind of insurance you want. Um, for me, I'm generally not doing it. Um, I've hopefully built enough depth that I can get by. Um, You know, Saquon Barkley went down. Who's going to step in for Saquon and give you what they're doing?
0: Well, again, in that case, you're hoping that Matt Breda can do something. But obviously, he's not going to produce Saquon Barkley's numbers. Although this particular week, maybe they would because they're facing Houston.
1: True. (laughs) Very true. Okay. Um, I'll tell you. Definitely, if I was a Lamar Jackson and owner, and I had a deep enough bench, I would roster Huntley.
0: Well, again, I think at least from like a Scott Fish standpoint, I actually drafted Huntley, and I've held him all season. In that, as I so think I. that Huntley is probably on a lot of dynasty rosters too, because yeah. coming into the season, there was some question mark as to whether or not Baltimore would have uh, Mister Jackson on their team after the season, and. and I mean realistically, I think that Baltimore has to sign him now based on his performance this season, but again, it's nothing's official so
1: any other quarterbacks that you might think about rostering as a backup in case something happened or you think would happen to a starter even though they're not your starter in a sense um, Jordan. well, Buggs. we've
0: seen a lot we've seen a lot of the uh quarterbacks already step into situations because of that. I mean, Ain't that the truth? Uh, Desmond Ritter might be the one player with some upside should uh be uh, continue to falter in Atlanta there. Um, I think that uh, obviously with the news about Josh Allen and the UCL, I mean, that, that's an injury that could potentially be long-term. Uh, obviously, Case Keenum has proven to be a solid starter given the opportunity here in the past. So he'd be a guy that maybe I'd consider rostering. But uh, again, n- none of those backup quarterbacks is going to step in. Even Even Huntley, for that matter, is going to step in and provide – a solid enough replacement level value to the quarterbacks that are right starting. I mean, unless you're in a super flex league where obviously having as many quarterbacks as possible is important, you're always going to be able to find in a non super flex or in a league where you only start one quarterback, yep. you're always going to find waiver wire quarterbacks that are better than those handcuffs.
1: Yep, I don't disagree with that at all. Anybody a tight end that you would think about handcuffing?
0: Well, I mean obviously we're watching Baltimore right now and I think that uh, a lot of teams race to the waiver wire this weekend to go grab Isaiah likely because of what he did in the preseason and what he did last week after Mark Andrews left the game with an injury. Now again, people are going to start him because they're expecting volume this week with everyone missing in that offense. But again, they're facing a New Orleans team that's actually really really tough against tight ends, so yeah. How much how much of an advantage are they going to get? Plus I mean Baltimore's been known to use multiple tight end sets. They've got uh, the fullback Ricard that they like to use a lot in the passing situation. Again, Josh Oliver's the other tight end there this week. How, how much are we actually going to see out of likely this week? I mean, you, again, you'll, you'll get some volume. But you know, I'm not just looking around the league really quickly at other tight ends that I would consider. I mean, there, there's no one that would be a bench tight end that I'd really want consider over the starter except for maybe uh with two weeks ago tyler higby hurt his neck over the last four or five weeks he's kind of been phased out of at offense a little bit uh, if you're looking for maybe a tight end to sneakily grab uh, go and grab uh the backup there in los angeles what about I think that Foster Moreau, obviously, we've seen him playing for Darren Waller the last couple of weeks. Yeah. He's, actually, he's actually a capable tight end that could step in and be a, a starter. And over the last couple weeks for the Saints here, we've seen Juwan Johnson move more into the forefront with an injury to Adam Troutman. Now, Troutman is back this week, so uh, it would be interesting to see what Johnson's usage is tonight as well as uh, in the next couple of weeks now Troutman's back.
1: So what about Noah Brown? You're not going to use him to, um, to handcuff Travis Kelsey? You mean Noah Gray? Noah Gray, yeah. I'm sorry, Noah Gray. I'm no. You no, um, got the Noah right.
0: I don't think that uh, I, e- even if Travis Kelsey were to go down, bingo. Uh, yes, they they would use their tight ends. Yep. But I'm not sure that Noah Gray is the only one that get the get the volume. And I I think that uh, it's one of those situations where Patrick Mahomes would just improvise something else to do then.
1: I think yeah. yeah I think you're right. I think they'd actually would want. <coughs> using Juju much more like they use Kelsey, quite honestly. Um,
0: and we've seen a little bit of that in the last couple of weeks where yeah. uh, Juju's actually running a lot of Kelsey's routes from the opposite side of the field. Yep. You'll see him do the uh, the six-yard up-and-in uh, plays. And to tell you the truth, that wasn't really Juju's strength in Pittsburgh. Juju's strength in the Pittsburgh was lining out on the outside and then doing curls inside. But now just kind of working out of that slot receiver type role in Kansas City, Uh, more so I think that's been very valuable for him because he's catching more passes over the last few weeks and he's got more targets because of that too.
1: He is. So the the moral of the story is no one likes to pay insurance. You are the only one that can look and assess your situation yourself and realize if this guy goes down can I afford to not have a backup for him that I can plug in or maybe you don't need it because you've got two, three other starters that just you were lucky and you drafted well and you prepared for this, and you don't need it. But only you can decide that. Um, myself, and that,
0: not, That's the best insurance that you can have, too, is just having good depth to start with.
1: That's why I'm always hes- hesitant against trading away depth to gain a stud. It's got to be a huge difference maker for me to do it, especially at running back. But in any event, that's insurance. That's the world of insurance, whether it's fantasy football, health care, or car insurance. No one likes to pay it.
0: And you don't even have to be a member of the Marines to get this insurance. That's right. So even Gronk can get it.
1: Even Gronk can get it. There you go. I like that. We should try and get Gronk on here. In any event, um, no one likes it, but you know what? When you need it, you're glad you had it, and that's all there is to it. You know what else you'll be glad that you had when you have it? Harley's advice on DFS. Maybe mine too. I don't know. So with that, we're going to run on over to our daily DFS segment where we're going to give you up our pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays. For those that are new to the show... Um, Harley and I do not discuss this in advance. Harley's going to set an over/under to see how many we can agree on. I think last week we hammered an over, if I am correct. We did, and it was the first and time. And this week, a Vegas
0: time. made an adjustment because of that, and Vegas is going to set the line at six.
1: Oh, we are taking the under, although there is not many to choose from.
0: Yeah, this this was a. Uh, I, I feel like this week the positions were really, really easy or really, really hard. Well, there was, was no like happy medium.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what i before I let you start off at quarterback. I'm going to say that the news from two hours ago already impacted my work. I had done because I was clearly paying up for Josh Allen. Now that's not happening. So who are you going to pay up for at the quarterback spot?
0: Why well, had actually originally skipped Josh Allen anyways, because I was concerned about the injury. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be this severe of an injury. But I was a little concerned. And the price tag was high. And I could get Patrick Mahomes for cheaper. And Patrick Mahomes has a good matchup, too. So I'm going to go with Mahomes. He's thrown for 869 yards over the last two weeks. He leads the league in passing yards, leads the league in passing touchdowns, despite having his bye week ready. Plus, you know, well, Jacksonville, uh, on the road this season, Jacksonville is along the fourth most passing yards per game. Uh, I just don't see any way that Mahomes doesn't throw for three fifty and three again here it's It's a great opportunity for him and the the chief's offense to potentially make up some ground on the bills possibly if if the bill's should happen to lose this week the Minnesota Vikings.
1: yeah, that's always a possibility um so I went down further on the list. I do not disagree. With, I don't think Pat's a bad play at all. I have no no problem with it. He's at home. that checks the box for me, as you know um. He's a threat to throw for 350 and three any given week, right? Yep. But I went with a guy a little further down the board that I'm sure, at least I think, will have a low ownership. Normally when somebody blows up, they usually have a higher ownership because everybody's like, oh, wow, fear of missing out, right? FOMO. They want to get in on on the ride this time. However, this guy I think causes the complete opposite, and people go, oh, there's no way he does that again not buying it. Um, Mm -hmm. So proceed with caution. But I'm paying up for Justin Fields against a Detroit team that's giving up the fourth most points to the fantasy quarterback position. And in addition to that, while Fields is a quarterback and not a running back, the Lions are also giving up the third most points to the running back position. Win-win, I think. And it's in Chicago.
0: Yeah. it's, It's hard to expect uh, Justin Fields to produce anything like his last, last game. But, uh, again, they've got some weapons now. And and before we get too far into this, I'd like to point out, again, we are watching the uh, game tonight, the Saints versus Baltimore. And our tight end handcuff, Isaiah Likely, just scored a touchdown. There we go. <clears throat> Hopefully everyone had, them, had him in their primetime and showdown lineups for tonight.
1: Well, I can tell you this. My wife's not going to be happy because in her office pool, she actually picked the Saints, and for her to make the payout, she actually needs a Saint win, and she needs to score to drop at 44 points. So I know she's over on the couch rooting for the Saints right now.
0: Well, I'm looking for 11 points out of Elvin Kamara and a non-point per reception league. So that's, that's my hope for tonight.
1: Well, there you go. So two touchdowns. That'll be good for her. All right. So who are you staying away from at quarterback?
0: Uh, this one I have a little more difficulty with. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I, I could go all the way down to Aaron Rodgers and say don't play him against Dallas, but that seems like a cop-out. Yeah. I could say Josh Allen because he's hurt, but that seems like a cop-out. Um, ultimately, I settled on Kyler Murray, uh, whose price tag is right up there with the higher price guys. Uh, he's actually put up good yardage numbers against the Rams recently, but he only has two total scores over their last three games. That includes between running and, and throwing the ball. So, he might get some yardage here, but when the price tag is that high and compared to the other guys in that same price range like Tua and Pat, I'm going to skip Kyler for those guys all day and twice on Sunday.
1: Well, we have our first match, and and I think that there's a big ebb and flow to the NFL season also. So, the fact that the Rams lost the game that they did this week and they're at home— you expect a bounce back. You expect the defense to step it up a little bit. They're already ranked 26th um, in points allowed in the quarterback position, so that's not a good spot to be in. And I saw a tweet the other day by some random guy. I didn't double-check it. I don't know if it's true, but he said, Laugh out loud, Kyler Murray is 0-2 since a new Call of Duty dropped. <laughs> so I don't know, you know. I that, mean,
0: is, he, is he getting his study sessions in?
1: That's what I think they were questioning, so who knows. Anyway, we got a match. That's the first one of, you need six more. Um, who okay, are-
0: so the value play this week was tough for me because there, there were three or four guys that I really wanted to choose here. Okay. All about the same price range. Uh, all have great matchups. Uh, ultimately, I settled on the guy in the game that I think is going to have the highest implied point total. Obviously, we don't have the full vi- effect vi- Vegas Lions yet, but I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence at Kansas City. Well, uh, there's just, I mean, there's so many solid plays at quarterback this week in the cheap price range, but Lawrence has the best weapons among the guys that I consider kind of that same group there. And we know that Jacksonville is going to have to throw the ball to keep up with the KC offense here. And again, look at looking at guys like Jacoby Brissett, who could run for some yardage uh, against Miami. you got Andy Dalton facing a really vulnerable Pittsburgh secondary. Uh, again, all in that same price range. I consider them but I think that Lawrence is the safest one. He's got multiple weapons that I feel he can throw the ball to. And again, we know for a fact that this is going to be a passing game.
1: So we actually match again, and and I agree. I have to be honest with you. I had to double look to take a double take at his price because the only players on the list that were cheaper than him were Ryan Tannehill, Davis Mills, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Sam Ellinger, and Taysom Hill. I, I, I mean, to me, you might as well basically say that he's the bottom of the barrel, and... And I think he's a great um, value play at the quarterback position in a game where you're right. He's going to have to throw the ball, and they're going to have to try and put some points up. So, yeah, I think he makes for a great, a great, great, great value play. So I'm not shocked that we match on that one.
0: Well, here's the thing, though. I think that because of this, maybe, the fact that we match on this might put him into a situation where he becomes kind of chalky. Yeah. And when that happens, then make sure you get some lineups with Dalton and Brissett too.
1: Yep. There you go. All right, running on over to running back. Who are you paying up for?
0: I think this is going to be an obvious match for both of us. We're going to pay for the most expensive guy on the board. That's Saquon Barkley uh, facing Houston. Uh, Opposing backfields, get this. Opposing backfields on the season are averaging 188 combo yards, five receptions, and 1.6 total touchdowns per game versus Houston. In half PPR... Five different running backs have topped 25 points against this defense in half PPR, not even full PPR.
1: And he's coming off a week of rest because he was on a bye, right? Exactly. Yeah, we do match. You're right. Uh, there's nothing to not like about that. He could be chalky as all chalk gets out. But you know what? Three, 3 times value, I still think he hits it no problem.
0: Yeah, th- this is what – I mean, we talked about Joe Mixon breaking the slate last week. Uh, if there was ever a point for someone to break the slate this week, it, it's Saquon against Houston.
1: Yeah. Running and catching the ball, no doubt.
0: Exactly.
1: Who are you staying away from? I, I mean, if you, if
0: you want to value play, play Matt Breda. He might actually get some yards in relief. He,
1: you know what? That might not be a bad idea. Um, who are you going to stay away from? I thought this one was pretty easy, too.
0: Uh, this actually was tough for me because, again, I didn't want I didn't want to take anything super easy. I thought about Derrick Henry until I saw that Denver's actually been bad against the run the last, like, month. Yeah. Uh, I thought about Nick Chubb because I thought that game would be more pass heavy. Yeah. Uh, I thought about Belvin cook, but again, Buffalo can be beaten by short passes too. Uh, I thought about Jonathan Taylor, but I didn't want to take the injury angle there. I ultimately settled on another in- injury angle though. And that's Aaron Jones at 7,200 versus Dallas. Um, and here's my reason why his ankle is hurt. So even if he does play, he might be limited by that. The green Bay offense as a whole is struggling. They're facing a tough defense, tough against the run and the pass. Oh, by the way, there also happens to be another very good back on that same team that is likely to take touches away from Jones this week to protect Jones' ankle for the rest of the season. So, again, it's kind of taking the easy way out by saying Jones here. But uh, right now, I mean, all of his tests came back negative. He is planning on playing, barring a setback this week. But I'm not playing him. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a good call. I don't know that I say that it's easy. Eh, maybe it's a little more glaring, but I don't know. Um, I actually did go to Dalvin Cook route because Buffalo is 29th in points allowed to the running back position. I could see some points possibly being scored in this if Josh Allen was healthy. And then, you know, you've got the whole Stefan Diggs angle and all that. I just, maybe Cook does get some points from a pass um, aspect in the game plan, but... At eight thousand and seventy five hundred dollars, I don't want to bank on three times with that, so I'm going to take a pass on Dalvin Cook, who I'm usually in favor of getting in your lineup when you can.
0: Well, I would like to say though before before we dissuade people too much on Dalvin Cook, here's another example where FanDuel's got his price below DraftKings. That sends up a big red red white and blue uh, beacon flare for me, saying, "Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Please start him in FanDuel."
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. I do. That's one of those. Is is it a trap? And yep, understood. Who's going to be? I had a trouble. I had trouble with this. I'm gonna be honest with you. I had trouble with the value play. Who's your value play?
0: Yeah, I kind of did too. I I looked at a couple different players, and I was originally I originally had sold on Raheem Mostert, but I really think that that's going to become a split backfield with Jeff Wilson. Now he got the touchdown last week. He got most of the pass catching role. And I ended up settling on another guy in a split backfield. I went with David Montgomery at six thousand and sixty-seven hundred. I chose him over his running mate, Khalil Herbert. Despite the fact that Khalil Herbert has actually outproduced David Montgomery on the season, Montgomery is still the the leader in touches on that team. So either one of those two guys is a good play. You already mentioned that Detroit is bad against the run. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a slump buster situation. You can start either of those two.
1: So I don't hate it at all. Quite honestly. Um, I didn't go that way. I had, like I said, a hard time. Um, I went with Kareem hunt. Uh, I don't coming off a buy. He already has, you know, standalone value in most leagues as a flex. Um, I just, I didn't like, I'll be honest with you. I didn't love it. Um, you could have twisted my arm and talked me into either of those bears backs. Um, so yeah,
0: no, no. I, as I said, I think that that game has the potential to be more pass heavy, which certainly favors Hunt huh. over Chubb.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is, and his price he only needs to do some modest work and get in the end zone once, and and you'll get value back on him. So, um, but like I said, just I can't say I love a matchup like we have in the past. Um, at wide receiver, I'm just going to add this right now. Stephon Diggs was the person that was going to be my payup until the Josh Allen news, and then at that point. I decided to, to nix it. And I don't know that that was necessarily the right thing because, like you said, the backup has shown to be proficient. The backup has a tie also. Maybe I'm talking myself back into it. I don't know. Let's see what happens by the time it gets mm-hmm. to me. Who are you paying up for?
0: Well, I did not change my pick from Stephon Diggs. He is my pay up this week, even if Case Keenum starts. Can you say revenge game? Yeah. Revenge game for Stephon Diggs. Revenge game for Case Keenum. Revenge game for the Minneapolis Miracle. (laughs) The Minnesota secondary right now is dealing with a couple of injuries. Uh, They're without their – or two of their top four safeties. Uh, They lost their third-string cornerback last week. I I assume he's going to play this week, but they are shorthanded down there. Uh, Yeah, even if Case Keenum plays, I like Stephon Diggs this week, he's going to have the home revenge game. He wants to score against his former team. Obviously, the value isn't quite as high if Josh Allen doesn't play. But if Josh Allen does play, this is going to be such an embarrassment of riches for him.
1: You know what? I Maybe somebody will say this is cheating, but you talked me back into digs. I, <laughs> I wrote digs. I crossed him out, and I wrote Cooper Cup because I think Cup's safe among all the top guys. I'm not in love with many of those matchups. Cup's the safest at home against an Arizona team that can be had. Um, they've given up the sixth most points to the— to fantasy wide receivers. Um, Vikings have given up seventh, so it's not like Diggs has a bad matchup. And yeah, you, you talked me into it. I'm going back to Diggs. You want to count that as a match that's on you? I don't know, but I'm going to circle it. If so, <coughs> we have four.
0: Well, you're not going to like my stay away then. I'm staying away from Cooper Cup. <laughs> uh, there you go. And I'm holding true to my trend all season, which is fading wide receiver ones versus Arizona. This year, so far, they are allowing an average of 4.5 catches and 55 receiving yards per game to opposing wide receiver ones. They've allowed only three total touchdowns to wide receiver ones. Now, one of those was a touchdown to Cup, but it came on a reverse. In that earlier game, Cooper Cup had four catches for 44 yards, one 20-yard reverse for a touchdown. That's not going to get done at 9,9200. and They've faced guys like Devontae Adams and held him in check. Marquise Brown, they've held him in check. Uh, these are like top-notch receivers they've held in check all season long. Yeah. Now, yes, they are giving up tons and tons of points, but they're giving up all those points to secondary and third receivers, not the wide receiver ones.
1: I just feel like, remember I said that whole ebb and flow thing, um, the way they lost this week, I can't see them not trying to find ways to scheme their best receiver to make sure he's heavily involved in this offense. I
0: think I remember reading in half PPR, the top scoring wide receiver one against them had like 14 and a half points.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're staying away from Cup. The guy I'm staying away from is actually Devontae Adams. I mean, Indianapolis is bad, right? But their yeah. defense has been pretty stingy at times. And, and fantasy-wise, they're ranked they rank 31st in points allowed to the wide receiver position Adams has been very up and down based on the way that that Raiders season has gone so far. So I don't think it's such a stretch to say, eh, I don't know if we're going to get close to 25 points from him this week. It is in Las Vegas. So that's a plus, but I just think that it's a risky play.
0: I have no argument that uh, he, uh, he has really been up and down. The one thing you can say about Adams is he is getting targeted. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not,
0: not always uh, targets that are catchable, but he is getting targeted.
1: Yeah, So is Kyle Pitts. But he was two, yeah. for, he was two for 27 with 200-plus air yards yesterday, believe it or not. I read some.
0: I will say this. I, I, I trust Derek Carr a little bit more than I trust Marcus <laughs> Mariota.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. All right. Who's your value play?
0: Well, I told you my value play quarterback was Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yes. You did. So I'm going to hook him up with my value play wide receiver. And no, it is not Christian Kirk. It is Marvin Jones Jr., baby. Oh,
1: we were so close. We were so close.
0: Here's the reason why. Big-bodied outside wide receivers have been doing most of the damage against Kansas City this season. Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, Devontae Adams, Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, and Brandon Ayuk, all outside guys, all over six feet in height. They've all had good performances against Kansas City whereas the, the smaller slot guys are not doing quite as much. And, and, again, if you look at Christian Kirk, I'm pretty sure that the, the site at MFL has him listed at 5'11", which is close to 6 feet. But Mr. Jones is above 6 feet. Plus, when you look at Jones' stat line, his numbers don't eye-pop. They don't blow you away. But he's had five or more targets in six different games this season, including an 11-target and a 7-target game over the last three weeks.
1: So – we're in the same game. We avoided the same receiver. I didn't pick Christian Kirk either, Oh. but I landed on Zay Jones.
0: He's also a tall outside receiver, but he has speed too.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, <laughs> I could see making lineups and switching and making those guys interchangeable because somebody's going to pay off.
0: Yeah, and with Evan Ingram dinged up a little bit, yep, it's it's probably going to fall to those outside guys. And you might see a little bit more action to Dan Arnold too, but. Uh, yeah, again, I, I do like Zay Jones as a play. And again, people look at this and they're like, well, I want to get access to this game. You're going to say, well, who's the number one receiver for uh, – I can't say the, the team name now. Who's the number one receiver for Trevor Lawrence? You're going to say, oh, it's Christian Kirk. Let's put Christian Kirk in there. Again, I'm not saying Christian Kirk won't do well this week. Right. I would just rather have Jones or Jones.
1: Right. You know what? I didn't even realize that. we're We're getting a half match for that, man. We both nailed a Jones.
0: Jones, receiver, (laughs) Jacksonville.
1: Yep, there you go, right? That's 85%. (coughs) Okay. Um, So at at the tight end spot, this was challenging. Who are you paying up for a tight end?
0: Well, you know, I I could have done the easy thing and taken Travis Kelsey, but his price tag is so high. Uh, I actually settled on a guy who had nine targets and nine catches with less than five days to learn an offense. And he's facing a Buffalo team that is shorthanded in the deep middle part of their defense. And realistically, attacking with the tight end is probably the best way to attack the Buffalo secondary right now. I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson.
1: That's not a bad play. I I don't disagree with that play. However, I'm going to actually be the contrarian here. Travis Kelsey has a really poor matchup on paper. The Jags ranked 26th in points allowed to tight ends. I think people are going to look at, one, his price. Two, they're then going to look at the matchup and decide to stay away from Travis Kelsey.
0: But they really haven't faced much in terms of tight ends this year.
1: Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. But they would be fooled by that ranking because they haven't faced guys like Travis Kelsey. I still think he's going to have a lower ownership rate this week, um, and I'm paying up for him. I will absolutely pay up for Travis Kelsey.
0: I have have no argument there. Yeah, I totally agree with playing Travis Kelsey. And you put it exactly and succinctly as you should have. Jacksonville's defense against the position looks really, really good, but they have not faced anyone, nope. anyone at this year.
1: Travis Kelsey scores at least two touchdowns. He's at least 680 and two this week. How's that?
0: I like that prediction. Let's
1: see, 8, 6, 14, 26 points. That gets him the three times value. All right, who are you staying away from? I think we got a match here.
0: Uh, this was a little uh, eh, fairly easy for me. I thought, again, I've got a couple guys coming off injury that we don't know if they're going to play or not. Darren Waller, David and Joku. Joku said he's going to play, but uh, yeah. so I kind of discounted both of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm staying away from Pat Friermuth this week. Uh, Friermuth, uh, when you look at New Orleans Saints, obviously we're talking about them today. They just give a touchdown to Isaiah Likely. But outside of this game here, the top two tight ends to face New Orleans this season finished with One had six catches for 31 yards, and the other one had three catches for 49 yards. Not a gleaming prognosis for a good performance by Pat Fryermuth next week.
1: I don't disagree with that at all, quite honestly. Um, But that is not. I watch
0: likely is probably going to score three touchdowns today.
1: Yeah, probably, and he'll change the narrative, and everybody will jump on board, and then they'll be screwed. Um, Yeah, the Saints have given up. Actually, the only team that's given up fewer points to the tight end positions are the Washington Commanders. So take it for what it's worth. Um, but the guy I'm staying away from is facing a team that has only had the Saints and Commanders give up fewer points to the tight end position than they have, being, that being the Rams, that being Zach Ertz. Um, Zach Ertz, that touchdown last week, far as I'm concerned, I'm sorry, that is the touchdown that belongs to DeAndre Hopkins. As a Hopkins owner, I am petitioning the Supreme Court to get that touchdown turned back to him, um, because right You're after. A
0: touchdown denier, Steve.
1: Yes, because right after that touchdown, that right after that touchdown that Hopkins got, there's a flag. It comes back, and they go, and he throws. Stop it the count. Ups. That's right. <laughs> Stop it right now. So yeah, no, I'm staying away from Zach Ertz. Sorry.
0: Oh, very good. I I, th- I thought about Ertz too. Uh, I don't remember what it was that, that drew me back from him, probably because I own him in too many leagues and I don't want to curse him.
1: Yeah. That, okay. So I'm not the only one that does that. I like that. That's. I'm sure we're not the only two that do that too either. Who's your Who's your value play going to be?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who has three touchdowns over the last two weeks. Uh, that's Cole Komet. Uh oh. Detroit has been just outright bad against the tight end position all season long. They're not giving up like twenty point games to opposing tight ends. They're giving up twelve to fourteen point games to every single tight end they face. Which, again, when you're looking at a price tag of 3400 on DraftKings, should be fairly easy for Cole Komet to accomplish this week. Uh, assuming Justin Fields doesn't turn back into a pumpkin.
1: So, we match. We're going to end on a good note. Um, shockingly, yes. I was going down the list. I'm like, don't like it. Don't like it. Wait, wait a minute. What's Cole? What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of his, his FanDuel price, but... Um,
0: you could do worse. You can't. You can't get a good price on Fanduel for a tight end in the value range because the, the the lowest priced ones are forty five hundred, and that's basically your fourth highest priced guy on drafting. So again, that's the difference between going with a fifty thousand uh, dollar seller cap for sixty thousand.
1: Yeah, and actually, I just looked at it. Crooked anyway. I I saw fifty nine hundred, but that's actually Greg Dolchich. Um at fifty. Who I 100. also
0: like this week. <laughs> yeah, but no, thirty
1: four and fifty three is not that bad at all. Um, and yeah, you just have to hope that, you know, so look, normally we're stacking our quarterbacks and wide receivers when we can, right? This yep. time what we did was I stacked my quarterback and my tight end, and I did stack my quarterback and like, I guess what you could call a number three wide receiver possibly, um, and you stacked a number two wide receiver with him. So there's all kinds of ways to build rosters, and you know what? You can always check out the huddle.com and see what Harley puts up there in his, it's called the Daily Dominator, Correct yes on a weekly basis so if you don't have a huddle membership get one it's good for an entire year it's not something that ends at the end of the fantasy season it'll be good from now till next year this time Um, of course you can always follow harley on twitter at nuclear harley and he can not only help you out with your fantasy team but your bourbons and your beers and all that good stuff too um I don't know anything else. Maybe baseball, uh, UCL injuries. Uh,
0: I do. I do, do some baseball. I do do basketball sometimes too. Uh, and and more importantly, uh, follow me on Twitter on Thursday nights. You get our Thursday night football matchup meal, courtesy of myself and my lovely wife Jill.
1: There you go. Yes, and there's nothing wrong with meals. That's for sure. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my Phillies postings will be fewer and fewer as we get to. Actually, no, they won't. Because guess what? free agency starts on it's
0: Thursday. hot stove season
1: that's right so but you can follow me anyway and i will do my best to answer and help you with answer your questions and help you out with your fantasy lineups and of course look it's 70 to 80 degrees here now it's 30s where harley is um but there's never a bad time to tip one back enjoy a nice beverage of your choice but just always make sure that you're getting blitz responsibly. cheers